you owe money. We don't talk we're gonna about talk about that on the post show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not gonna talk about that. Yeah, you're probably gonna go beat some guy named Sonny, who you're gonna have to hand the money to. Liam, yeah. his name is Spider, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Thundercast. My name is Lucas. My name is Christian. I'm Liam, here with another podcast that just talks about movies. And today, we are sponsored by our patrons. Stick around to the end of the show, and you'll see uh, the names of all our patrons. We'll shout you out. That's right. Uh, so today, we're going to be doing what we usually do, and that is going through what we have seen recently. Uh, this is what the show is now. Thank you, and this is your fault, viewers. And it especially becomes a problem when you see too many things that have to pick and choose. Yeah. To the point where I had to make an entire top ten list. That's uh, right. Anyway, check Check that out if you can. Yes, yeah. I was just actually just going to bring that up. We actually recently had two videos come out on our YouTube channel. You can go and check it out. We have one that I made about Christmas. Uh, it's not really about Christmas. In fact, the video is totally bullshit and arbitrary. And... Uh, <laughs> And makes That's very all YouTube little... videos are. That's true. And uh, <laughs> Liam's is actually a very coherent top ten list. So go watch from his. Yeah, and it's from the heart. I think the <laughs> the biggest thing with Liam's is that we're not gonna make any money on Liam's video because it has like eight copyright claims and <laughs> it can't be viewed in the Philippines because of it. And uh, which I still mm-hmm. say we should try to fight the claims because technically I did do the al- I did alter it. We're not fighting anything. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, we do have a very special announcement to make at the uh, top of the show here. Um, you will notice that there's still only three of us in the show, but moving forward, we will be having a fourth permanent host on the show. Um, not today, obviously, but um, episodes continuing past this, and that is uh. Uh, the artist formerly known as John Tasker, friend of the show. Yes, uh, that's his real name. Yes, that's his real name. Uh, he is now just John. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, he didn't show up tonight because he's a candy ass, but... Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Jesus. The, the contracts have not been finalized, all right? Yeah. His, his people need to talk to our people still. Yeah. Um, I am the people. I was just going to say, we are his people. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, so like Lucas said, uh, we're sponsored by you. Uh, you'll get a shout-out at the end of the show. Um, but uh, real quick, uh, let's see. Past Christian, you want to put an advertisement in for our Patreon right now? We're going to talk about Patreon for a second. If you go to patreon.com slash thunderlizard, you'll find all the information about how to sign up and join and become a patron and get your name listed in every single episode of the Thundercast, which is the podcast that we do on this channel as well that is all about movies. And for as low as $1.50 Canadian, which is the price of a very inexpensive coffee, you'll be able to give us a hand and help us out and support the channel. You'll gain access to all of the videos that you're seeing on this channel early and as well as access to the podcast early and uh, access to the post show that we do for Patreon exclusively. Thank you, past me. Look at that. (laughs) See, these two, these two, that was weird and awkward because that was like a three second silence. (laughs) <laughs> that wasn't three seconds, three it was like seconds. two. Two seconds, oh, whatever. <laughs> I think even calling it two seconds is generous. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so welcome back to the Thundercast. Uh, we're going to be talking about the things that we've seen recently. Uh, who would like to go first? Uh, I can, I guess. Liam it is. All right, so this one I'll talk about pretty quick. Um, After uh, 
surprisingly convincing video by Patrick H. Willems, I decided to be decided why the hell not and watched Ambulance or Ambulance. For some reason, whenever I see the title, I think I the way I pronounce it in my head is Ambulance. <laughs> Just a hard law. Ambulance. So it's one thing to make it very clear is that I am not really I am not a fan of most Michael Bay movies. Like, I like the first... I do surprisingly like the first Transformers well enough. And the island is about cool for half of its runtime. Yeah. But for the most part, uh... I had, the thing about Michael Bay is the same thing as uh, that Zack Snyder has, where he's completely mastered his own craft and style. But it enti but your enjoyment will entirely depend if that style is up for you. It, it, or it's for you. I personally don't have uh, sensibilities of a horny suburban 12-year-old boy, <laughs> so it's harder for me to uh, get into his movies. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the more tolerable ones I've seen. Um, the biggest uh, was the uh, biggest thing I'll give it is that, like, one, I do kind of miss mid-tier uh, or mid-budget action movies. Like, I think this one was only, like, 60 mil compared to, like, uh, most uh, most action movies coming out these days, I think, are, like, a hundred plus mil. Um. Uh. Then uh. The positive of uh, one. It's surprisingly low on the blatant racism and pornographic misogyny. Am ambulance was forty million actually. Uh, oh wow. Huh. There is still like some of Michael Bay's weird humor in this, but it's not as overbearing as I've seen in other films. Uh. What really makes this one work is that I feel like Michael Bay casted this one really well. Like you've got uh. Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, essentially giving a Jake Gyllenhaal performance, like a really weird, like intense, like a uh, big-eyed performance, mm -hmm. but in a Michael Bay movie, and it surprisingly works. Like he's pretty I, crazy. I can, see, it. I, I can see, I can see their styles meshing pretty well. Yeah. I, I also watched that Jake or that that, that uh, Patrick Williams video, and I, I I thought about maybe watching it, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Then uh, there are some. The other thing this movie has is drones. Yep. Lots and lots of drones. And a lot of it is actually pretty cool. There's, 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 uh, from what I understand, a lot of drones were broken making this movie, and it shows. <laughs> like, there's one, like, there's one where, like, a cop car goes off a jump, a drone flies under it, and then it circles back around to another car, almost like GTA. Hmm, very cool. That's pretty sick. Um, like, uh, overall, like, like pretty much every Michael Bay movie, it's a little too long. Like, this one, I think, is just over two hours. Oh, okay. And I feel like you probably could have cut it at, like, an hour 40. But, uh, honestly, I'm just kind of surprised if I didn't hate it, and it gave me something relatively amusing to watch for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just or, said two, for two hours. hours. <laughs> yeah, for two hours. The other half an hour, I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, if, like... Uh, uh, was it if Michael Bay kind of reigns a style and it continues to go kind of this route? You might, I might enjoy one or two more of his movies. Yeah, I don't know if he has another one coming out in the, in the next little while here. Let me see. All right, Michael Bay, what do you got here? Ooh. You, t you two continue to speak amongst yourselves. <laughs> uh, yeah, ambulances. Yeah, there's nothing, nothing lined up on the docket. He's probably working on something, but yeah, what a guy. Yeah, I'm sure he's working on something. No. Ambulance too. <laughs> Ambulance. Ambulances. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even that funny. <laughs> I don't know why I don't know why I thought that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Polance cars. <laughs> okay. 
That was Reacher. <laughs> Fire truck <laughs> movie. <laughs> Just go through every sort of emergency emergency service vehicle. We've done so. Fire and, re yeah. Fire and rescue copter. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one you get uh, Harrison Ford to to play a pilot in. Yeah. No, he plays a plane. <laughs> he just plays a plane. Yeah, yeah it's just, it's just a, a Macy's Day balloon so, parade. So if if Harrison Ford plays a plane, mm -hmm. how is he gonna tell someone to get off my plane? Uh, that's a different kind of movie. He's getting get off, off the plane, <laughs> getting the plane off. It's a big difference. I mean, there. technically, if somebody falls over the back of a plane, it would be the plane's ass. So it would be like he's farting the guy out, he's just shitting, shitting yeah. out terrorists. <laughs> yeah. Imagine Gary Oldman getting shit out by a plane. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, man. Is that everything about Ambulance? <laughs> yeah. Why do you think I've been sitting here silently? <laughs> <laughs> While we've just been fucking around. All right, Lucas, uh, you go ahead. Sure. I have been uh, I have been watching uh, season two of The Legend of Vox Machina, mm -hmm. the uh, Critical Role animated series uh, following the... Uh, not the second arc, but the second like major arc of their first D&D uh, &D campaign. There's six episodes out as of the recording of this. The first three are a fucking blur. They are so incredibly fast-paced that it's genuinely disorienting to watch. <laughs> like, uh, they, they do have to, they have to shove a lot of stuff into the first three episodes. Um, but that the show is definitely hurts uh for that. I, I literally had to check to make sure I wasn't watching it, watching it on like 1.5 <laughs> like time speed. Because it was moving so fast, and like some, there's like a some one really dramatic moment at the end of the third episode, and I, I was like, I just felt nothing because it was it just happened so quickly. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? I was kind of feeling pretty down down about the series, and I'm like, okay, maybe they're just uh, maybe they they had one season, one good season in them, and then they're done. Mm. Uh, and then I watched the uh, episodes four through six, and they were fucking rad. So. <laughs> Is it still, does the show still have a pro the problems of, like, one, the people who make the show are a little too into themselves, <laughs> and uh, and that they uh, need to get over the whole, like, uh, being vulgar to uh, get a laugh? Uh, they kind of, this one, the first couple episodes of Vox Machina Season 1 definitely had that problem, and then the uh, rest of the season had it to a lesser extent, and this season, again, the first couple episodes have it. Uh, as as to the point where it's sort of annoying, uh, and then they sort of get over it. It's, I don't know why they do that in the first couple of episodes. Like everyone who's watching the show knows what kind of show it is, mm -hmm. but like they're misrepresenting the show in the first couple episodes by like being super vulgar for no reason. Mm. Going uh, going down then, that like adult animated comedy sort of route. Instead, yeah, instead yeah, of actually telling the story. Yeah, exactly. And then like they do they do have like vulgar jokes and everything cuz like that's that's how it was at the at the D&D table too. So like they're just also just trying to represent their their game, but like I don't know. It like sometimes the jokes a lot of the jokes fall flat to be perfectly honest. Yeah. But like a lot they're they know how to do a a, a good like fight scene. Oh, a lot yeah. of their fight scenes are are a lot of fun to watch and like like there's this one scene where a character gets a new magic item and they're fighting this like beholder type monster uh and it gives him the ability to, like move, to like move really fast and like every time he like uh like rushes across and like uses the magic power or whatever uh the the animation paired with 
the sound effects they use like make it really effective and really cool. Yeah. Uh, but overall, I'm half. It's ha- we're halfway through season two, uh, and it's pretty cool so far. The first three three episodes really struggle with pacing, but they have more of a structure to each episode now, and uh, they are are yeah. They, it's it's definitely a show that's made by actors and mm. not like writers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it it suffers from those problems once in a while, but uh, overall, uh, I'm enjoying it. And how many episodes is the second season going to be? Twelve. Twelve. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Are but they, um, it's week. I assume it comes out weekly. They do three episodes every week. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but and they they actually just recently announced uh they have a another deal with Amazon where they're making another series based on their second campaign, and also have like a larger deal with amazon to make movies and stuff like that oh wow very cool yeah which is insane they're like like live action or all animated i'm assuming animated uh i don't i don't see how they could do live action with the way their their stuff works yeah and also maybe the deals with what's going on with that chris pine movie coming out and stuff like that's a live action D &D thing so they probably don't want to get yeah but also yeah, but also like uh, Critical Role doesn't actually have like uh, a deal with Wizards of the Coast, mm. like or they 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 do to some extent because they publish uh, they publish some books under like with Wizards, mm-hmm. uh, but like Wizards has nothing to do with the actual show or the other things they produce. Right. Uh, in fact, they they uh, they have in the middle of their or with their second campaign, they changed a bunch of names, so they are not at all legally like tied to wizards and they're not using any of their ip they just happen to be playing dungeons and dragons right it's like uh, an open source software in a way kind like, of yeah yeah they're they you can use it but if you start to yeah there's a there, there was a lot of drama around D in the past month uh really? because yeah like uh D exi- D fifth edition at least a chunk of it existed under an open game license where anyone could come and use the mechanics and stuff like that to like make their own adventures and then like sell them commercially and like makes make like add-ons and stuff for D&D 5e and uh Wizards of the Coast tried to deauthorize that uh, agreement because they're trying to make a new one uh where they could essentially just vassalize or uh uh or just squash any and all competition that existed under the OGL mm. uh and the community fought back and Wizards backed off oh, wow. uh uh, they they went so far as to put the entire five five point one SRD, which is the uh, thing that you could use with the OGL with, uh, in the Creative Commons. So you no longer actually need to use the OGL; you can just use it under Creative Commons. Uh, you said a lot of acronyms was, that I don't understand, but uh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a whole thing. It's it's a very it's a lot of thing that it's a thing that's very uh, buried in legalese and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of D and D YouTubers made a lot of really good videos about it. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna go too deep into it since this, that's not what the show is about uh, i was just gonna but... say where can we find more information about such things <laughs> <laughs> not on my youtube channel because uh, i didn't make any videos about it okay uh like D shorts nerd immersion and uh mark humes all made good videos about it where they explained it pretty well and sorry what, but... what what's your youtube channel again sorry uh <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh castle caster i will eventually put out a new video at some point uh <laughs> Hey, I, it was a natural. That was natural. Okay, that was that was kind of in the conversation. <clears throat> oh, but you're enjoying the show for the mo- like second half at least. Yeah, I have my problems with it, but overall, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, cool. I uh recently watched a fantastic series. Uh, 
that's an HBO show. It's called How To with John Wilson. It's uh, a very strange kind of show. Uh, it's a docu series where each episode it you are presented with a with a, a thing. For example, how to make risotto, right? <laughs> So when you hear that, you think, oh, the whole episode is just going to be how to make risotto. It has fucking nothing to do with how to make risotto. The, <laughs> it always presents the, the the problem or the challenge and uh, gives you the basics of how to, how to get over something. And then John Wilson finds ways to instantly go in the opposite direction and tell a completely different story. For example, there's one where it's called How to Cover Your Furniture. And the whole episode is just is meant to be about like why you should cover your furniture so it doesn't get ruined, right? And you know why people do such a thing, and then ends up becoming about anti circumcision law. And this man, there's a man lying on a bed with his dick out with a thing that's meant to like pull his his foreskin back to its proper position. We're not getting monetized in this video at all anymore. Um, or he's pulling his pulling it back while talking about Parasite, like the, the Bong Joon-ho movie. And it's very strange when the episode is supposed to be about covering furniture. It's one of the greatest shows I've ever fucking seen in my whole life. It's an exceptional show because it, it, it has so much heart and, and it's so funny sometimes. But really what it's it's about is just kind of living in the moment and going with the motions. So if something it you know for example that it's a docu series so why would the documentary stick on one topic? That's not how documentaries work. Documentaries always present an issue and then find them find the story as the movie goes on, right? Or as the story gets told. Um, some documentaries are pretty like simple like supersize me. What happens if you eat McDonald's every day? <laughs> simple plot. But then you see other ones um, that kind of elap- like take a story as simple as I watched this one called the the, the Ringmaster, and it it's supposed to be about onion rings, but then the documentary ends up being about like dementia and like a bunch of other shit. <laughs> Completely different direction. Anyway, <clears throat> it's an exceptional show. It's I found it on Crave because we live in Canada, um, and it's an HBO show, and uh, it's just I strongly think everyone should watch this show. It's only twelve at, or. Yeah, I think it's 12 episodes total. There's two seasons of six episodes apiece. Each episode is about 30 minutes. Uh, so it's a quick watch, but it is so worth your time. And and John Wilson is a dude who hasn't done anything else. Like, this is it. He's done a couple shorts on uh, that are also how-to videos that follow the same formula. Um, but the show just really elaborates on the, on the concept and it's just exceptional. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen and probably my new favorite show of all time. So there nice. you go. Uh, yeah, that's quick for John Wilson. Uh, yeah. Liam. Uh, well, the other night, Christian, I watched a really stupid movie that's getting a lot of hype around it and praise. We sure did. We watched Megan. M3 Gan. I have heard on the internet that it's great. But everybody I've talked to about it says it sucks. It's awful. So the thing about it is that, like, if so it's based, uh, was it? So it's a story by uh, the two people who wrote Malignant, uh, James Wan and uh, I forget the other uh, person's name, but she wrote a full screenplay for Malignant. And Malignant was an excellent, crazy, bonkers, like, uh, Midnight-style, like, cult, uh, was a B-horror movie. I was like, yes, this is absolutely my thing. We need more movies like this. Akila Cooper. Me- yeah. Me- uh, what is it? Uh, 
Megan has a script that I feel like is that on paper, but man, does it suffer from bland, boring direction to a point where mm-hmm. when I hear all these people talk about it, I'm like, it's a January movie, guys. Mm-hmm. Get over it. Um, from what I've heard, it was supposed to be rated R, and then they noticed a lot of the interest on the online coming from TikTok because Megan does a stupid fucking dance in the movie. And uh, so a lot of the interest came from younger demographic. And so they edited the movie down so that it became PG-13 so more people could go see it. And it suffers from that for sure because it, honestly, the movie, nothing happens for an hour. She kills a dog. And that's it in the first hour. And like, ugh, no, it, uh, I feel like if one or or like a David F. Sandberg directed this movie, it would be pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. But again, everything that kills this movie is just boring, generic horror movie direction. Yeah, and I feel like people are brainwashed into thinking how thinking this movie is better as it is because of one thing we keep seeing: fucking memes and TikTok trends are like, uh, "Oh, this movie's awesome because I don't because I recognize what it is." It's kind of like why people think, for some reason, thought Spider Meme was a really good movie. Yeah. I recognize it. Therefore, yeah. good. Hey, look, it, it's playing that song. It's playing that song. I recognize. It's good. People are people are easy to please, and I'm I'm finding that after after a long year of great movies coming one after another, everybody just well, not everybody, but I think there's a lot of people going to the theaters who just expect every movie to be of the same caliber, and maybe just people are dumbed down for some reason because of the quality of came out. I don't know if that's is making sense. What I'm saying. But uh, then going into this, there's just an expectation for it to be good. Nobody wants to believe that it was actually a bad movie. I don't know. I think people are just sheepish and way too influenced by uh, bad TikTok or YouTube videos. Because I see it too much in my everyday life. Maybe. Um, But no, it's a movie that, again, on paper feels like it should be awesome. But it's just so uninterestingly put together. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't like it. It's boring. I I feel I my my sentiments are basically identical. Um, I think the girl playing Megan was very good. Um, then again, I don't know how much of it was like a stunt person, uh, actually doing all the acting, because the person who plays uh, Megan is like a thirteen, twelve or thirteen year old girl, and then uh, everybody else is trying. Like, what's her name? Alyssa Johnson or what's her name? Allison Williams. Allison Williams. Don't talk to me like that. I don't know her name, okay? <laughs> I don't know. I had to. Re- I you kept. You, uh, what is it? I said to it to you like twenty times while we were watching. That yeah, because there was alcohol involved. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but yeah, she she's all. You can tell she just is trying. Like it's a paycheck, all right. And no, there's no one else recognizable in the film. I'll tell you that. There's no one else besides her. Um, you know, they made the movie for pretty cheap, uh, which probably better because it's making shit loads of money right now um it did it was only in theaters for a short period of time before it went on home video or sorry vod but i think that was again just an exposure thing they try to get more people to see it um it already got a sequel megan 2.0 which is coming out in 2025 uh so what two years from now so yeah, anyway set written by the same person so maybe maybe two years of writing time will make a better or movie. you know maybe hiring a director who actually knows how to embrace uh knows how to embrace weird pulp b movies and not just make every other horror movie that's ever been made well the person who made it is gerard 
Johnstone uh, has only ever made one other movie called Housebound, and that's it. And then everything else was television, and it's all stuff I haven't seen. Like, what the hell is the new Legends of Monkey? What? I don't know. A, a Legend of Monkeys? Apparently it's a Japanese show. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Meg- Megan sucked. I'll tell you that. Not, not great. I don't know anything about it, and I don't intend on seeing it. So, <laughs> I feel like we just, yeah, we just told you everything about it. So there you go. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, there you go. I know everything I need to know. <laughs> a little robot, saw, little robot girl. It's yeah. It's, I, saw, I saw the trailers, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah, it's the Child's Play reboot, reboot, but with a with a girl robot. And yeah, no, just go watch good James Wan movies instead. Yeah. Hell, you can watch Dead Silence again. Oh yeah. I already did that. I've not seen that. Lucas, what else All right. have you seen? Uh, I went to the movie theater. What? Uh, yes. What? <laughs> and I saw Ava- Avatar 2, The Way of Water. What? Or as it was originally going to be called Avatar Manifest Destiny. <laughs> Is that, that actually the what they're going to call it? a working title. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Come on, James. And it was... It was what it was. <laughs> right, right. I said to I said to Lucas, oh, but man. he's just like, I'm not too shocked. I was like, writing so bad. I'm astonished. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I kind of went in with low expectations, and it met those expectations. I guess uh, it was fine. I didn't like I didn't like dislike it, but also like I didn't have that good of a time watching it. Mm. Like it was pretty. Oh, there were things where I was baffled at how stupid some choices were. <laughs> I know we talked about that. Yeah, I, I disagree with some of the choices. You yeah, you can't them, wrap but... your. You can't wrap. You continue to try and defend to me that Tarzan kid as a character makes sense. Or... I didn't say the, the character makes sense. I just said a choice at the end he makes 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 fine sense. Spoil it. I don't care. Contradiction. <laughs> what was that? I said spoil it. I don't care. Oh, so, no, I, did, I didn't hear what uh, Liam said. Oh, I said spoil it. I don't. know. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Christian. Yep. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> it's a uh, his choice is a walking contradiction. Wouldn't it have made more sense for him just to go with him, given his adoptive mother essentially threatened to murder him? Uh, like he is a com- like he has a, in a he's in a complicated position. I don't really know what's going through his head. They don't really define him much as a character, but like basically, uh, his his essentially his father is like underwater drowning and dying, and he saves him, uh, even though he's like. A monstrous villain, uh, uh, and I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. People care about their family for for stupid reasons, and they, uh, family I don't know, that's what people do. Leave, became close for for like with for like a week. Yeah, but he's still he's still his uh, technically speaking, his biological biological father. And again, humans don't operate on logic. So <laughs> also, I don't know. I think I think I feel like it's a realistic thing for a person to do. But again, I'm. I'm I don't even like this movie very much. I don't know why I'm defending it. <laughs> uh, I do have one question for you about it, Lucas. Yeah. I think I texted this to you. Why did the Commando Avatar dudes give themselves a bunch of tattoos and sleeves? Doesn't that give up any stealth or technical adva- tactical <laughs> advantage they may have? Well, I, I actually do. I do think there is an answer to that. It's it's because it's because it's not because they were trying to blend in with like the other Navi that they they weren't at all trying to do that. They just wanted to be a Navi body so nature didn't attack them. But wouldn't that be more wise? Just not giving me themselves tattoos so they can blend in and uh, oh, clearly, clearly, it didn't do anything. So, 
the nature didn't attack them, so it didn't so it didn't affect it at all. So but. do they have to like avatar into a a, a navi body that's like of a dead bot dead dead navi, or are they like no they they grow they grow the navi bodies. That's fucking stupid. I hate this. It's weird. And also they take they take, <laughs> they take. So you know you know you know I think his name is Stephen Lang. His character in Avatar. Yeah, the blind they, dude from uh, Don't Breathe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they apparently before he died, they made like uh like a digital impression of him or something, and they, they put and, his brain on a floppy disk. More or less, and they clone him into an Avatar body. Mm-hmm. And that's how he comes back. It's so dumb. <laughs> also, oh, James. Growing uh, mutant bot, a growing, a growing uh, organic bodies is where you draw the line in sci-fi, Christian. <laughs> really? I don't know. <laughs> really, that's where you draw. Yeah, I guess. It's, so, I mean, overall, mean? it's it, like literally this. James Cam Cameron liked his two previous movies so much that he mushed them together. This is Avatar and Titanic in the same movie. Like they literally have there's there's some there are some scenes in Avatar 2 that are almost like that feel like shot for shot remakes of Titanic except the people are blue. Like the, <laughs> it's know, kind of the only difference. You know that's someone's it's, like kink. Again, <laughs> Probably. I would argue Titanic that ever blues. since James Cameron or ever since Titanic the problem with James Cameron came to the fact that he took all the credit for the success of everything else he did. Hired a million yes men who would not tell him no, and his movies have drastically suffered because of it. They make a lot oh, of money, but people are really dumb. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I've never really been a James Cameron fan. Man. Like, I have a controversial. Uh, I had a controversial take a while back during our actionothon, mm -hmm. where I thought Terminator Two was pretty boring. But <laughs> you're wrong. But that's fine. Yes, because <laughs> Lucas. Yes, uh, not enough quips. Uh, uh, there's uh, but he's more. It was just. <laughs> It was just not compelling. It was boring. But I've I the only James James Cameron movie that I can think of that I kind of liked was True Lies, but I haven't seen that since I was a teenager. Mm. So, and I haven't seen The Abyss at all. So, yeah. I don't yeah, know. I I I I'm not a big James Cameron fan. I've never really liked his movies very much, so I, I was not set up to like this movie either. <laughs> I probably also well, don't hate it as much as other people who love James Cameron. So, why do you well, see this, it? No, this one is just frustrating because I'm like even if I don't like half of your movies, I'm like, you're better. You're a better writer than this. And I don't to say know. that James Cameron never a good writer is complete revisionist history. Very I mean, no from reason. my perspective, I don't think even he's ever really you, been a great writer. <laughs> you are not a fan, Lucas. There is a mm -hmm. reason. There is a reason why T Terminator has cemented itself in pop culture. Are sure, we? and I don't. And I don't think that's because of the writing. <laughs> there is a reason why Aliens is considered one of the best sequels out there. Maybe, and again, I don't really think it's because of the writing. <laughs> Are we, are I think he's. I think he's a... a much. I think he's a much better director than he is a writer. And also, most of those movies, he was. He was only one writer on it, as opposed to Avatar: Titanic, where he was the only writer. But like, I don't know. I, I like maybe he's got like a skill for a structure or something. But like, I don't know. I don't. His movies are not for me, and I don't think they've ever really been that well written. Maybe well, well paced and well structured and well directed. But the writing itself, I don't think was well. The thing with uh, good. the thing with structure that James Cameron has is that he's very insistent on of a classic Hollywood structure, mm -hmm. minus his like additional uh, his additional action scene at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, and also uh, James Cameron, it got worse as he went on in his career. He became way too much of a sucker for the sentimental. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, but like even the structure stuff, I was like, where was the structure in Avatar Two? Oh, there wasn't this, one. <laughs> yeah, this is like one of the most structuralist movies I've ever seen in my it life. It was it was structured like a TV show, like like there was the pilot where they go off and they do the when then and like they there's the inciting incident obviously, but then like nothing really happens for an hour where they're just sort of hanging out in the water and learning how to be like water navi, and I'm like, this is like an episode of TV where like they they learn to whatever to like exist in this new culture or whatever and like that's a fine episode of tv but to take one third of a, like a whole movie and dedicate it to that i'm, I'm like what what is this choice <laughs> so why did you see it uh because my mom was in town and she wanted to see a movie okay yeah <laughs> got that, there's that's so many other perfect. movies you could have gone to see yeah but it's mama's there choice. wasn't there wasn't there wasn't really any other any other movies out at, at that time that I even knew anything. There was the whale, and I was kind of interested in seeing that, but uh, my mom didn't wasn't super interested in seeing it in the theater. So fair enough. Or watch Brendan Fraser as a fat as a sad fat guy. I want to like I want to see it at some point, but I don't know if that's a movie I pay to go see in the theaters. Reasonable. But yeah, that's Avatar two. Cool. Thanks, Lucas. You're welcome. Oh, I do have one question, just because I did see it. Like, was did you see it in uh, was it in IMAX or a different frame rate? Uh, no, I just saw it in a regular, regular theater. Uh, I wasn't about to pay extra for Avatar uh, 2. <laughs> because I went to go see it in the IMAX because I wanted to see the way the technology looked and the way it was supposed, according to James Cameron, it was supposed to be seen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And with the high frame rate, it looks, it looked like my graphics card was crapping out on my computer. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get the desire for high frame rates in movies. Well, Neither I mean, of course. The thing is, James Cameron says, according, apparently that underwater motion capture technology doesn't work unless you shoot it in a higher frame rate. I find mm. that fucking hard to believe, but... Apparently, yeah, from what I understand, it doesn't work unless you do it that way. But here's the thing. It's sometimes in the same shot, he pops between frame rates and it begs the question, why didn't you shoot the whole fucking movie in that high frame rate? <laughs> yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, okay, cool, thanks. Uh, I watched The Menu with, uh, mm. Anya Taylor-Joy and Ray Fiennes and, uh, Nick Holt, is that it? Yeah, is Nicholas it? Holt. Nick Holt's in it. Uh, you know, at, when I first started watching it, I was like, this is fine, I guess. Like, I wasn't really attached to it, and it kind of adds the film went on, I, I kind of grew more attached to the choices that they were making. Because there's a lot of very odd decisions, uh, and they're but they're not like they're not bafflingly odd. They're just like, oh, I wouldn't do it that way, but okay. And more specifically, the whole movie is basically about food. That's the that's not what it's about, but that's it's a huge a, element it's of it. Kind of a satire on uh like, uh, what is it a uh, foodie culture? Uh, critic uh, was it a uh, crit uh, was it art criticism? Yeah. And just like how a uh, big business, how like a uh, corporate business can destroy an artistic's uh, desire, an artist's desire. Yeah, and uh, one directorial choice that that's made is whenever a new met menu item or a new uh, uh, course is introduced in the movie, they do a very sort of uh, uh, artsy fartsy show the food, like have it slide across the table and then list the ingredients and the name of the food and all this stuff. And at first it's, it's like, it's very like pretentious and very look at me, look at me. And then it gets to a point where there's one that's just called Tyler's bullshit. 
Um, I don't want to explain why, why, but it because it kind of ruins a part of the movie. But it's just called Tyler's bullshit. And when you see it, you f- I fucking howled because I was like, all right, I get what they're doing. It's just like as things go, they get progressively more absurd and just ridiculous. And the food, actually, the items become more ridiculous as the movie goes on because the whole bread. the whole thing. Yeah, there's a there's a course that's bread, but there's no they don't give them bread. They just give them dip. It's a bunch of like nice dips that he refuses to serve them bread. Yeah. Yeah. He won't give them bread, but he gives them a bunch of like dips and, and bread butter and stuff. And, uh, there's one where <clears throat> there's a bunch of tortillas. Again, I don't want to say what's on the tortillas cause it ruins it. But anyway, um, yeah, I think it, it's also a movie where, I mean, you, I think I've explained how I feel about Anya Taylor joy on the show before, uh, you know, kind of changed my tune. I was like, oh. I actually really enjoyed her in this, and I don't think she's insufferable. But part of it <laughs> is everyone else around her is insufferable. Not mm-hmm. not like performance-wise, just like their characters are very insufferable. And uh, she balanced it out really, really well. Um, Liam had seen it like a couple weeks before me, and I saw it. I, I got COVID again. Ooh, it was all fucking great. Sucked. So I got an opportunity to watch a lot of movies at home. And that was one of them, and it was, like, right before I started to get super fucking sick. So I was like, i got to watch this movie with food in it, when it before I can't eat, <laughs> you know? Anyway. Um, yeah, so Liam had seen it just before me, but I'll but let, you're not let talking him... to, You haven't brought up the best part of a movie. What? Good said... old Ray Fiennes. Yeah, Ray Fiennes. Ray uh... Fiennes absolutely kills it in his role. I mean, he's <laughs> a great actor, but he, he brings a lot more than he needs to for this. It's funny to say that he chews the scenery considering the context of the movie or the content of the movie, but he does. He's eating it up. He eats pretty much every single scene that he's in. And it's it's kind of a one note performance, but it's a very good note. So very lay a very layered one note. Yeah. Where like he's not really you're not really seeing a whole lot of sides of the character because not a lot needs to be revealed about him. You kind of just need to know that he's kind of a big piece of shit. And they don't hide it. Like from the moment you see him, you're like, "Oh, you're you're a dick," and the rest of the movie is just him proving it, scene after there's, scene uh, after scene. There's one scene I know Christian talks uh, is talking about with John Leguizamo where I laughed so hard, just because the sad, as funny as it is, there's a sad part of me is like, I have a feeling somebody would probably do this. Yeah, uh, Leguizamo oh. plays movie star. Is how he's built. He's a washed up actor. <laughs> he's built as movie star. You don't even get to know his name. Uh, they, they, say, they, they say they it, say it, but he's George Diaz. Yeah, but he's billed as movie star. Um, because they actually wrote it originally for Daniel Radcliffe. Um, but oh. but he couldn't do it, and they were actually gonna say uh one of his movies, like a real movie he did. Um, but there's a joke where Ray finds basically they're all saying like why are we here why are you doing this to us and he says to John Leguizamo's character like, like do you remember uh, this you movie were, you were in <laughs> you were in the best movie you were doing the movie calling Doctor Sunshine I hated that movie <laughs> I watched it on my day off six months <laughs> no <laughs> but I didn't direct it yes but your, your stupid face ruined it for me. <laughs> yeah and that's the only reason why he's doing the things that he's doing to him everybody else has like reason he just didn't like his movie <laughs> wild kind of kind of kind of ruins a joke but it's whatever uh, it's overall it was pretty fun the satire's uh, obvious yeah oh, yeah and like uh it's a little predictable but overall it's uh was it it was a good time 
Rich people bad, working class good. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Liam. Um, I guess the last one I really have to talk about is uh I and it came up with Lucas's I saw the whale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh one of my friends uh came to town. One of our and, patrons uh, too, which yeah. should be noted. <laughs> no, this is not a perk. Not a perk. Don't ask. <laughs> uh but I uh, was it. She was like, I uh, was. It? We were talking about hanging out, and she asked it. We were like, "Hey, why don't we go see a movie?" And um, and we were looking at what's out, and like, I uh, was. It's like, and I d- I didn't even realize until she brought it up that the whale was out. I was like, "Oh shit, I want to see this." So we uh, I was. We went like, I haven't. I don't think I had ever before ever seen an Aronofsky film in the theater. You didn't see Noah? No, I didn't. Oh, I thought I, you had. No, I had never seen every Aronofsky movie I had seen. I had watched at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of why I wanted to go. Also, there had been a lot of talk around it, like around like the festival circuit and around uh, Brendan Fraser. Yep. Um, so I have a lot of thoughts on this one. Um, I guess I'll start with the really good things. Is one, it's kind of cool to see Aronofsky step away from like his angry religious allegory thing. Mm-hmm. Because that's what his past two movies have been. There's definitely still some of his thoughts on faith in this movie, but there, uh, but it's definitely not like Noah or uh, Mother. Because Brendan Fraser is a philosophy professor, right? He's an English teacher. English teacher. Okay. Um, Noah, one of the characters of a movie is a uh, is a runaway uh, Christian preacher, uh, played by the Iron Man three kid. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a while, have you? Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, Brendan Fraser plays a, uh, a, a was it a very a morbidly obese man slowly dying who's trying to reconnect with his daughter before he goes. Um, that's, uh, other good things are uh, Brendan Fraser absolutely gives a powerhouse performance. As much as I've always liked Brendan Fraser's uh, well uh, likable presence, I've never found him to be a great actor per se outside of like the role he's been casted really well in. And I don't know if uh, this is one of those cases where he... Because he is giving a genuinely great performance, but I still think it's one of those roles where he was he was just perfectly casted for it. Um, when it comes to things that aren't so great, which is... Con- so, bear with me on this one. There's been a, there have been a lot of people making a big deal about Brendan Fraser, who is not a morbidly obese man, playing a morbidly obese man. Right. And saying, like, that in, in and of itself is inherently problematic. I don't think so. Like, as one, if you casted an actual, like, 800-pound person who's always wheezing, you wouldn't be able to get a performance out of them. Like, you would literally just be sickly, and you wouldn't be able to do anything. To be fair, that is a bit fat-phobic to say, but also, I get what you're saying. So. Yeah. And also, there's the fact that it's one of those things where it gets to a point where I'm like, sometimes you just gotta let actors act. Mm-hmm. Um... The problem I have is more so when they get into how he got so large and, like, the reasoning for it is where I think there is more room for discussion. I don't think it's a spoiler because, as far as I know, Brendan Fraser is not a gay man. And so in the movie, he plays a a, a queer person, right? Like, who yeah, left he his wife. Walked, he walked out on his family and got married to one of his students. Yeah. And uh, the reason he started, uh, essentially went on a binge eat and started doing that is because his partner was dying, got really sick, and he starved himself. Mm, okay, so he did the and opposite. And he starts doing yeah. the opposite, and I'm like, 
it just like I feel like it might set a precedent that being large or obesity comes from just like facing trauma or whatnot, mm. and like uh, intensity like that, which really isn't the case. Like one, some people are just born and naturally built larger, mm-hmm. and uh, just the fact that like definitely it can it can definitely play a role in it in like something like that happening, but. With the way this movie's getting followed and tractioned, I don't. I, I don't know. I have a lot of mixed thoughts on it. I, as but far... I'm tired. Like I just hate when people just go to the fact that it's just the principle of so and so doing this. I'm like, it's not like it's blackface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it is. I can understand the like the problematic nature of it. I do agree with you that sometimes you just gotta let actors act. But I do think listening to those voices is really important um especially people that are overweight and the problem though is that all the critiques i'm seeing aren't coming from people who are overweight they are literally coming from obnoxious uh preachy white people sjbs social justice bullies (laughs) yeah it's one of those things where people aren't and also these are coming from people who haven't seen the movie that yeah fair Um, yeah like so i was that's why i was like okay i'm gonna watch this and give it my fair assessment um also uh great job to the people who did do the makeup for uh fraser or whatnot like because he uh, was it uh was it like every time he moves or the way it looks he, it looks real in every frame mm-hmm. that's impressive that is um, impressive yeah and like you like you feel the weight it looks like it and he i uh, was it it's like overall it's genuinely really impressive on that front and I, I don't know if it's a spoiler but most of the movie takes place in his apartment right in his house yes yeah yeah it's structured like a play like it's based on a play which i didn't know beforehand a play that aronofsky wrote right no it's uh somebody else oh okay um but no over again i just i like i understand the controversy and some of it has me a little concerned or why my thoughts are all over the place i just feel like people are looking at the or asking the wrong questions about it sure yeah, but overall, I special I would recommend it, especially for um, I was at Fraser's performance. Yeah. Um, and as and the supporting cast is all really good. Like the Iron Man three kids really sweeten it. Um, Sadie Sink of uh, uh, what is it of uh, Stranger Things fame is in it, and she's mm-hmm. quite good. Um, even uh, the head uh, sous chef from uh, the menu is in it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I nominated I for an remember. Oscar for it. Yeah, I don't remember that uh, was a bad actor's name, but you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yep, nominated for an Oscar because of the whale, right? Uh, yes. Yep. Also, uh, apparently, uh, Ian McKellen uh, called that uh, Brendan Fraser would be would I don't know if he'd become a fantastic actor, but was a fantastic actor. There's a quote from Ian McKellen after they shot Gods and Monsters, um, where Ian McKellen literally said. Uh, one day I hope to be as good an actor as Brendan Fraser. No, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. Yeah, Ian McKellen. Because yeah. the thing is, Ian McKellen, uh, everyone everyone knows him as like a great actor and everything. Thing is, as like a screen actor, that that's his weakest form of acting, like by far. Like he he gets he gets away because I think he gets away with with everyone like praising him. Not, he's not a bad actor or anything, but like he has a great. Uh, screen presence and he's like a an incredible vocal performer but as a fit but as a sorry go on he also knows how to cast into roles that take roles that work really well for him yeah absolutely uh but in terms of uh like uh being expressive and his and his like facial acting if you actually pay attention 
He doesn't do much with his face. Because he's a stage actor, right? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. He's, really that's that's that. where his... Yeah, exactly. But, like, acting on a screen... But, like, again, Ian McKellen gets away with it because, like, where his face lacks expression, his voice expresses everything for him. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's kind of where uh, his strength lies. And his facial acting is... Because is, is, I, I rewatched Lord of the Rings recently while I was sick. And... Uh, <laughs> Like I just was, I was thinking of that. And I was paying attention, and basically the only thing that happens with Ian McKellen's face is his eyebrows go up and down. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's about it. <laughs> and and Brendan Fraser used to be quite the physical comedy like actor, right? Like mm-hmm. if you watch George Monkey Bone, George of the Jungle, Blast from mm-hmm. the Past, a lot of his performance is, isn't. Oh yeah, it's entirely in his face, which is funny because oh, yeah. in this one mm-hmm. it sounds like with the whale, um, he can't. And I, I'm not saying this as a derogatory thing. It's just he physically can't move. And so, like, you can't really do a lot of physical acting. It needs to be almost entirely he with your face. Abs- mm-hmm. He absolutely sells the crying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, like, Brendan Fraser, I think what helped when he was younger, he had, like, the really big, like, wide, expressive eyes. Mm. As he's gotten older, he doesn't really have that anymore. Yeah. I mean, because these days, like, I've walked past Brendan Fraser at a con, and, like, he's not, like... It's not like people, I was it, people love to go up and say, like, outside of a whale that, like, he just got really large. He just, no, he just started to look like a dad. No. Yeah. bit out of a Hollywood seed. <laughs> he, he is. Hey, he just, he just aged like a normal person. He's yeah. a very large man. And I mean, like, height-wise. He? He's, like, six two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he's, he's about, he's about Lucas height, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, actually, quite... I'm a spit under six three. so. <laughs> Sorry. He's, he's quite tall, and, like, now he's a little more. He looks like how your dad would probably. He looks like your, how your dad would probably look. Essentially, Just, uh, he looks like a, a yeah. He looks like a, a middle aged man. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he looks like. How how he's supposed to look at that age? Yeah. Um, but, uh, when it comes to his performance, well, I have a feeling he's probably going to win. Probably. Uh, I I think it's either going to be him or Colin Farrell. I'd be happy with either. Honestly, part of it just wants is just it would be like from what i know about the guy i just kind of want things to work out for brendan fraser yeah mm-hmm. same um but yeah no overall uh the whale again it's like i definitely thought it was good but i just like there's a lot of stuff that i just have a lot of different thoughts on it yeah i'm, I'm i i want to watch it just before the oscars happen so i'm i mean I that, also... that's the end of march so we got i got lots of time but also, it's not an Aronofsky movie if you don't have a lot of thoughts. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Liam. Lucas. Sure. sure. Uh, as usual, we're going to talk about uh, the book Lucas is reading. Oh, uh, I've been, oh, <laughs> that's been like waiting. So, so much release. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, I have been rereading Lord of the Rings. Oh, really? Uh, I, I recently uh, finished Fellowship of the Ring. And I, I hadn't read it since I was in like in high school. And like when I was in high school, uh, I read it and I'm like, these these books are fucking hella boring. Can I ask but you a question gonna... real quick? Are you read, are you reading the one that Circus reads? Like that because uh, oh no, I'm, I'm I'm not re- I'm not listening to the audiobook. I'm I'm reading the actual. I can see the know, books book. on your shelf. Okay. Yeah, uh, you as, you can see that uh, Fellowship is missing because yes. it's on my bed nightstand. But uh, I haven't I haven't started Two Towers yet. But I just finished uh, Fellowship of the Ring, and. In the first like quarter of the book, I was having a great time. Like it's it's very chill. It's just the hobbits doing hobbit things and not really worrying about anything. Uh, and Gandalf comes along and like, uh, he's just sort of he's just sort of hanging out. But also he's like, okay, this ring's a problem. I'm gonna go study it for 17 years. 
Uh, or no, I think it was 19 years he was gone. Yeah, that's but, like the movie doesn't really do is when he leaves Frodo mm-hmm. and hides the ring, he's gone for a long time. Yeah. At, at, at the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring, I think Frodo had like just turned like 30 or like 34 or somewhere, somewhere around there. Uh, and by the end of uh, like the first quarter of the book, Frodo's in his 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also hobbits live longer than humans and you're not an adult as a hobbit until you're like 30, apparently. Right. Um, but yeah, so, so uh, Frodo, uh, first quarter of the book, having a great time. Then we got to the fucking Tom Bombadil chapters. I fucking hate Tom Bombadil. <laughs> <laughs> I've said before I like the chapter of a book, but like just because of a way it foreshadows and shows and sets up the rest of a story. Yeah, and I don't know. Go ahead. I also, I also just people. I, I talk with a lot of Tolkienites who complain about him not being in a movie. I'm like, I don't think that would have translated. No, not at all. Uh, but even even the it, it definitely like I can see what he's doing with the Tom Bombadil chapter. It's a lot of setup and foreshadowing and whatnot. But also, I just don't like him as a character. I don't like the way he speaks. I don't like like the the like his like whole demeanor for some reason. It just bothers me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you love Jolly Med. Apparently not Tom Bombadil. <laughs> he's like the jolliest of the jolly Lucas. He's too he's... jolly. <laughs> okay, Lucas, I don't know what your standard is, man. Like, this guy's too stoic and grim. I don't like him. Now yeah. this guy's too jolly. Where is your medium here, man? Medium, exactly. Where is that? <laughs> halfway, halfway between. Uh, <laughs> but I don't even know what that is, because like Samwise Gamby, that's who. Uh, <laughs> there you go. But uh, like, like he's just way over the top. He he does not feel like he fits in the setting at all for me, at least, at least the way I imagine it. And then from there, I got kind of bitter. And then I, I started enjoying it again when, once they got to, uh, once Frodo and everybody were actually leaving the Shire, and they got to Rivendell, and I'm like, okay, I'm having a good time again. Uh, and then it, the Council of Elrond happens, and they go off, uh, and, uh, they, and they go off on the actual adventure, and by this point, we're two-thirds of the way through the book. Uh, and we have, uh, if, if you remember from the movie, the Council of Elrond ends halfway through the movie. But we're like we're like almost three quarters of the way through the book, and the Council of Elrond just ended, and the movie and the book have roughly the same end point as well, like like really really close, uh, and then there's like like this much left of the book, and like that's like an hour and a half of the movie, and it's just it like so much happened. It, it's it's a very slow meandering story, and then all of a sudden, bam 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 bam, whole bunch of shit happens. Hmm. And it, but it still feels kind of slow for some reason. <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly, uh, the, the book Fellowship ends like right after her with Galadriel, or like and uh, uh was it and uh, Gandalf like uh, has this thing with the Balrog. If I'm remembering uh, Two Towers correctly, doesn't it start with the fall of a Fellowship? Uh, well, that, I believe um, if I I just finished it, so I remember I should remember this much better. <laughs> but uh, Boromir does die at the end of Fellowship. Ah. But that's and a two-towers so, thing, right? No, no, that happens in Fellowship in the movie as well. Oh, right, yeah, with yeah. the wraiths and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe Two Towers picks up with like Fram and uh, Sam and Frodo going like their own way, if I if I remember correctly. I might right. not remember correctly. Uh, I was half asleep when I finished the book. So, <laughs> do, do they I mention read... do they mention Tom Bombadil in the movies? No, no, no. There's they, they never even filmed the scene. Oh wow, they just they just full out. I I think it was a good decision. 
Uh, one, because I don't like Tom Bombadil, but also, too, because he would not fit in the movies. Right. Like, the and movies just... have a have a darker tone than the books do. Uh, or at least the books start very, very light and get a little bit darker as they go on. Uh, but, like, the movies from the outset are much darker. I also just don't think... There, I mean, there are a lot of changes in the Lord of the Rings movies that I don't agree with. There are some that I do agree with. Tom Bombadil is one of those where I completely agree with and understand her decision to remove him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Tom Bombadil just bothers me. <laughs> I'm glad he wasn't in the... I'm so glad he wasn't in the movie. But also, I am also biased towards the movies because I saw them, like, growing up as a kid mm -hmm. before I'd read the books. Uh, and so that's the impression, like, that's Lord of the Rings to me, is the is the movies. And then I read the books later on in life. And, uh, one, they are they are written in a way that does not mesh with, like, my brain. Uh, which long is the thing I say a lot. Lo very long descriptions. I, I, like, people, like, it's a running joke that Lord of the Rings is a long description of a bunch of trees with a story, like, kind of in there as well. Like, <laughs> which is fair. Very two-dimensional characters. Mm. Yeah, like like the 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 movies do a good job of like fleshing out a lot of the characters, especially Boromir. Uh, Tolkien did not give a shit about Boromir. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I was gonna just because we brought this up in our chat talking about Lord of the Rings. Do you agree that if we did a super literal adaptation of a Lord of the Rings, it would be uh, Koyata Scotsy, but with uh, El but with uh, hobbits. Uh, I was at Hobbits, uh, Ring Rapes, and a Jolly Man. It'd be kind of, boring. yes. <laughs> It'd be so boring. <laughs> yeah, the Tom that... Bombadil chapter especially would essentially be Koyana Scotsy with four, th with four Hobbits and a Jolly Guy. Basically, and his wife. <laughs> <laughs> so Santa? <laughs> kind of. Is Tom Bombadil like Middle Earth Santa Claus? Sort of, except he never leaves his little patch of forest, so well, he doesn't bring anybody Santa. presents. <laughs> Santa's not fucking real. He doesn't bring me yeah. presents. Anyway. Tom Bombadil's real though. <laughs> uh, are you gonna read the Hobbit too, or just the just the three? Uh, just I think just three. I don't have the Hobbit. Oh, okay. So uh, I'd have to go out and get it, or go to the library and get it. And with the way these books, it took me almost a month to finish Fellowship. Right. Uh, just because I can only read it for so long before I start to. Where my brain just all of a sudden is like doing something else, and I didn't realize it was doing something else. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. But uh, overall, uh, I enjoyed it much more than I did when I was uh, a teenager. Uh, still not the biggest fan of the of the Fellowship of the Ring uh, book, anyway. Which the one's your favorite book? Um, I remembered liking Two Towers best, but again, I I was a teenager, so I was inherently stupid. So. <laughs> right on I wasn't a stupid teenager I made stupid choices but it was best. That, that means you were a stupid teenager that's what that means <laughs> no, it, there's a big difference between being a stupid person and making stupid but, choices but also to be fair all teenagers are stupid it, that's, mm -hmm. referring to, to teenagers as stupid teenagers is redundant, is redundant. Yeah. yeah they're just really fucking stupid hormones do weird things to people's bodies uh, and their brains. Yeah. Well, Lucas doesn't have hormones. He's a robot. <laughs> uh, speaking of things You've that would... not me. 
Speaking of things that would whack out someone's hormones, Mm. I watched Face Off. Now let me Mm. let me explain. I thought you were gonna say you. I thought you were gonna say you watched porn. I'm like, cool. (laughs) Nah, I don't talk about. That's a different podcast. Yeah, Uh, true. But uh, yeah, I watched Face Off, and the reason why I say I made that joke is just because if you put on someone else's face, I think it would fuck you up real hard. And it does, in fact, fuck them both up really hard. I'd never seen Face Off before, and so really, yeah, never. And it, I'll, I got a couple things. So I did really enjoy it. I think it is fucking wild. It is a, it is. It's a dumb movie, but it's awesome. It's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it is extremely self-indulgent in the best ways. <laughs> and I, I know it's been said a million times, but I think the best part of that movie is watching. Nick Cage pretend to be John Travolta pretending to be Nick Cage. Like yeah. the the layers of that. And he does such a great job. Um and then it's you so got funny. Travolta pretending to be Cage, preventing pr- pretending to be Travolta. And again, just so strange. And like every John Woo movie, you have Doves. Yeah, doves. And I, I remember asking my my girlfriend while we were watching it, like, are there doves in this movie? And she's like, uh, I don't I don't think so. And then as soon as we get to the church, it's just fucking doves, doves. and doves, more doves. And then they also there's a fight on every single mode of transportation in that movie, which is fantastic. Plains. There's a fight on a plane, there's a fight in cars, mm-hmm. and there's fights in boats. The only yep. thing they were missing is motorcycles, but that counts as, as automobiles. So it counts. There you go. Anyway, they do all three. And honestly, I, I don't have much to say because I feel like Face Off has been spoken about a million times until other people's faces have literally melted off. And I, yeah, I don't know. John John Woo is a is a special, special man. <laughs> like, <laughs> he is. One of the best action movies of the 90s. And you mm-hmm. cannot change my mind about that. I would even argue <laughs> it's probably one of the best action movies of all time. Because you can't... They don't make movies like that. They do not make action movies like that at all anymore. And I don't think it's it will rare, ever happen again. It's rare you see tentpole blockbusters that violent. Yeah, yeah. people forget Face Off is pretty violent. It, for, for how violent it is, you never actually see them with their faces off. Out, yeah. <laughs> outside of a reflection in the doctor's glasses. Uh, but even then, you don't really get a chance to see it. And I can understand why makeup and, and whatnot. And I was like, but the, look at all the explosions you have in this fucking movie. Like, you can't you can't spend 30 seconds showing me Nick Cage's face off, you know? Apparently, that's where the studio drew the line. Uh. Uh, yeah, and I think it just has to do with just the gore and maybe the trauma that mm-hmm. or whatever. But, meh. Um, yeah. It's so funny because I I saw Face Off when I was in my early 20s, I think. I saw it for the first time. Mm -hmm. But, like, up until that point, the only exposure to Nick Cage I had in my life was National Treasure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on a big ride, baby. (laughs) Rider, rider for the big ride. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what a what a drastically different performance it was it was wild because like the only thing i knew about uh nick cage because <laughs> national treasure is such a weird movie for him because it's it's such an understated performance yeah it is like it still does have a little bit of nick cage's like weird craziness to him but it's oh yeah for sure 
I've never seen either of them, to be fair. Oh, okay. I, 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 I love National Treasure. They're very the first, stupid, but they're very I don't fun. remember the second one very well, but the first one is my trash. Yeah, yeah, it's it's exactly my trash too. Like but like the like what his most famous line in that in that movie is I'm gonna steal it. I'm gonna steal I'm gonna the Declaration steal of Independence. Independence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's so understated the way he delivers that line, com especially compared to every other movie he's ever been in. If a second one doesn't he say, I'm gonna kidnap a president of the United States. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and he, I think is is it Bruce Greenwood who plays the president in that one? I can't remember. I think, I think it was. so. Yeah. <laughs> And he kidnaps him just by, he's like, oh, there's some weird historical shit down in this tunnel. And they're like, cool. And they go down there and he locks the door. And that's how he kidnaps the President of the United States. <laughs> what is he? What is he, a child and he's candy? He's just like, go get it. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, uh, um, pretty much. Yeah, I, like, I liked Face Off. It's, it's a fucking ridiculous film. And just, just to back up uh, kind of why I watched Face Off, just because it, it, it kind of does play into it. I also watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, um, mm. and there's a lot of references to Nick Cage movies because he's playing Nick Cage and uh, a very hyperbolized version of Nick Cage. Then again, not sure, because <laughs> <laughs> it very well could just be Nick Cage. Doesn't that man own like 12 castles? Uh, he did. Not more. They make a lot of jokes about him being broken shit in in massive <laughs> talent, uh, but yeah, the 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 biggest part of massive talent is that the two guns that Caster Troy has are in in what uh, massive talent, and they and they serve like a huge uh, uh, story point. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's why I watched Face Off. I I liked Face Off significantly more than Massive Talent. I'll tell you that <laughs> because they're the drastically different films. The only bit of Massive Talent I've seen is I saw I saw a TikTok that was like an ad for it, but it was it was just a scene, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, Nick Cage was talking to Pedro Pascal, uh, and he's like, "You're not answering the question. What's your third favorite movie of all time?" Yeah. He's like very aggressive about it for some reason. He's like Paddington Two. I, I, I wept through the whole thing. It made me want to be a better man. <laughs> and then they watch Paddington, was... Paddington 2. Yeah, right. And then he's like, it was incredible. Yeah, is, Paddington 2. <laughs> That's the, the only thing I know about made. Massive Talent. <laughs> uh, their their relationship in the movie is very funny. Like, Pe Pedro mm -hmm. Pedro is, is very good in that film. The thing is, is there's, there's not a lot of substance. It's If, if mm. you just want to watch Pedro Pascal and Nick Cage be best friends, then yeah, that's the movie. And it, they're really funny together. They have great chemistry, but it's a very bot, and it makes it's really self-referential in the fact that it knows there's not a lot of substance to it, so it tries to fill space with other with jokes and and self-referential humor, which is to its detriment. But oh, yeah. um, I don't know. I gave it a three and a five, so it says oh, yeah. anything about it. Speaking of Pedro Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? You, you know what? Fuck it. We've been talking for an hour. Um, I just want to preface this. If you don't want to hear us talk shit about The Last of Us, then maybe just fucking turn this episode off. I do want to say we're not going to talk shit about The Last of Us necessarily. We are going to be talking shit about some other stuff surrounding it. Yeah, more more like things surrounding The Last of Us than The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, it should also be mentioned that the three of us have not seen the third episode yet. We've all yes, only seen as the of... second two episodes, or the first mm -hmm. two episodes. Yeah, I just haven't had the time yet. Yeah. Let's look, First off, let's talk about The Last of Us just for a moment, uh, without talking about any any cultural surroundings. 
Uh, like, just talk about the show. N- nothing to do with the game or the fans or anything like that. No hate. No, no hate. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty good show. It's very well <laughs> it's a made. Very, it's a very well-produced, well-acted, uh, well-directed, pretty well, for the most part, well-written show. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still has some of my issues with the game, but it's, like, still, I mean, it's still not bad. No, it's a really well-made yeah, show. In fact, overall, it's pretty decent. For, as far as I know, Druckmann wrote the first two episodes. Oh, no. He wrote the second episode. No. He wrote the first episode. He directed the second episode. The guy who wrote the first episode directed the second episode. So, or wait. Okay. Whatever. It's, it's <laughs> some, some Some along those lines. Druckmann has a lot to do with the production of the show. And considering mm-hmm. he directed, it was the creative designer for, uh, creative director for the game's it makes sense that they, the game. It would make sense yeah. that they would not have no part of it. Um, yeah, for sure. As a person who's played through the first two hours of that game at least five times and has never gotten past those first two hours, I think it's pretty good. It's it's yeah. a it's a pretty good adaptation. <laughs> like the first episode is a pretty damn good adaptation. It's a pretty good copy, I would argue more so. Yeah, but yeah. and I think for me that's the one thing. Because I'd me- I'd messaged it to Lucas and uh, like Lucas Liam and John, that I, uh, and we already kind of made a joke about it earlier, is that the bar has been set so low for video game adaptations that just copying and doing a shot for shot remake of a cutscene is what's considered like the I highest form don't. of flattery. I- Mm-hmm. I honestly don't think that it's that the bar for video game adaptations are so low because we've been doing pretty well with those so far over yeah. the past few years. Yeah, in the, pa- in the past I, year or two, yeah, it kind of broke think, the curse. But I mean, people, I was it, and then again, there are even ones that aren't very good that people think are awesome, like Sonic the Hedgehog. Detective Pikachu. Do what I think. Yeah, do what I think the problem is, is that The Last of Us is overpraised. <laughs> All right, here we they go. They hold the last of us. <laughs> the last of us, ever since it's come out, has been held to a fucking godhood status. Like it has, it has been held. On, it's been put on a pedestal. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's been literally praised as even some of the people involved have praised it as one of the greatest stories that's ever been told. To which I say, fuck off. If you really think <laughs> the last of us is one of the greatest stories that's ever been told, I question how many great stories you've actually seen or experienced. So, the last of us has been around for ten years. Because the game mm-hmm. came out in 2013, right? The, fir- Somewhere the there. first game came out in 2013. Not all the other iterations, but the first official release, I believe, was in 2013 on the and PlayStation it was right 3. right at the peak of the zombie, of the zombie craze. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the thing I'm going to say. The Last of Us, the reason why The Last of Us is praised the way it was is because it pushed video games forward. And it proved that you could actually have a compelling story for a video game. Yeah. I was, but here's the thing. For a video game, <laughs> The yeah. Last of Us is one of the most for... derivative, cliche, zombie, generic zombie stories I have ever seen in my life. It just happens to be told well. Yeah, it, it's it's told well, but I think the main thing that elevated w- were the perf- the main two performances from Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson. Mm-hmm. Like, like no one had ever seen like genuinely like really really good performances in a video game before. I'm not saying there haven't been like I don't want I don't want to like. Uh, talk shit about voice actors because a lot of them give a lot of really really great performances uh but like in a mainstream like non-rpg uh video game like 
people people are used to fucking uh, Call of Duty like voice acting. Yeah, right? and I I think uh, we're, we we <clears> need <throat> to clarify that we're not talking shit about like, or we're not we're not like video games have always been a very um like good way of telling stories. They're they're a great story medium. You, like you look at Metal Gear Solid, you look at like the Final Fantasy games. Yeah, there's a lot of other games out there that that definitely have that same level of storytelling quality. Kingdom Hearts, even very simplistic, very simplistic storytelling. Yes. Yeah. Thing is, is that The Last of Us was in modern times probably the one of the ones that went more into a cinematic quality in terms of its its storytelling that hadn't really been done before in that same sort of way. Yes, you could yeah, probably and, and, point out examples, but for the sake of this yeah, conversation. I think... I think I think I know exactly what you're getting at, and I would just want to maybe add a little something to it. Uh, like uh, video games for a long time were not just for like like just regular normal like average people, right? They were people for who they were for people who liked video games, mm-hmm. and there was not really a mass appeal for video games until like fairly recently in the last like 15 years or so. Sure, yeah. And The Last of Us was sort of. Uh, it was for normies, for lack of a better term. Like the gameplay, the gameplay is is uh, very simple. It's very accessible. Stealth shooter, um, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and like the characters it's... are cardboard are cardboard cutouts of other characters. The world is the Walking Dead world. I mean, to some extent, yeah. There's heavy, heavy inspiration and a lot of uh, stuff like that. I would say, I, w- I would say that's not giving it quite enough credit, personally. But like again, I'm I'm I have I played through the first Last of Us three times, and I played through Last of Us two two times. So, and I I wouldn't even say that I love the Last of Us one. I like the Last of Us one. I think it's a uh, I think it's a decent enough game. I just stand yeah. by to people. Point to me one, just one, would mm-hmm. be ex- uh, was a thing that this story that one amazing or original thing this story does on a storytelling level mm-hmm. that isn't the ending. Yeah, no, exactly. I I agree. Yeah, exactly. And get stop holding The Last of Us to such a high pedestal. It did Mm -hmm. a lot for video games, but we have passed it. Yeah, exactly. We passed it with Last of Us Two, which is a million times better in every way. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What about Left Behind? I've heard Left Behind is also like a a wonderful. I know it's a DLC, but uh, yeah, it's all right. uh, Yeah, it's it's just it's it's Ellie's story before she meets Joel, and uh, it's fine. Uh, it's, I mean, I guess at the time it was, uh, praised very heavily because like in a mainstream video game, uh, like the main, it, it, there's like a, it's sort of a little coming out story for Ellie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I also think that since the last of us panders to normies so much, there's a reason why it's, I was a people can't pick up on basic subtext with her characters. Oh my God. There are going to be so many people that are so pissed about this conversation. I cannot, cannot, cannot wait. Sorry, I'm gonna say if you think Joel is a good guy, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> oh my idiot. god, the fuck? Okay, uh, I don't. Are we gonna spoil the end of the game? Uh, I I, I don't think we should because I think it spoils okay. the show. I know okay, how it fair ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know there... you know what? Okay, if skip five minutes ahead. Let's just say if you don't yeah. want to hear Last of Us spoilers skip a little bit. All right, I've have, I've have five minutes to bitch. Yes. All right. <laughs> so. At the end of the game, uh, essentially, Joel is presented with a choice. He can either... Uh, Ellie is immune to this to this fungus or whatever, and the doctors are like, hey, if we make a vaccine from, like, 
uh, from the fungus around her brain, then we can like uh, we can make a vaccine. Uh, and then Joel's like, but that will kill her. And they're like, yeah, that sucks. Uh, and so Joel is presented with a choice, either let them make a vaccine and Ellie dies, or uh, or uh, save Ellie and kill everybody who might save the world. Uh, and Joel saves Ellie and kills all the doctors. Um, and which is fine, a fine storytelling choice, but people are so hung up on this conversation about whether or not the vaccine would have worked. Because, like, there's, I guess there's some, if you stretch, you can find kind of find some evidence to suggest the game is telling you that the vaccine won't actually work. But, like, first off, Neil Druckmann said the, Neil Druckmann said outside of the game, and also the game tells you point blank that the vaccine's going to work. But the thing is, that doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter whether or not the vaccine would have worked, because Joel didn't care about that. <laughs> it's not just, it's, and it's not just the fact that he killed the doctors and doomed humanity. It's the fact that he gave the person who actually should have been making the choice no fucking agency in that decision. Exactly. And we and we know Ellie wanted if Ellie would have chosen to die. He didn't give Ellie a choice in that. He did it for, for purely selfish reasons. Joel sucks. <laughs> in like every way. Uh he's a terrible person. He's a he's a fairly he's like a mildly interesting character, but he's a terrible terrible person. I mean, everything interesting about him is lifted from more interesting characters from other pieces of media, but I would generally agree, yeah. But like he, he's he's a terrible person and <laughs> He got he got what he deserved in in, in part two. Let's put it that way. But uh, but people are so hung up on whether or not the vaccine would have worked that they're not actually talking about the text of the game. Like it's about like it's about Joel being selfish. Mm -hmm. It's not about whether or not the vaccine. That's literally the thesis of The Last of Us. Yeah, exactly. And people are just they're fucking Matrix dodging the point. Like it's it it it's not subtle. It's like pointed directly at you. You can't miss they it unless you try to one, miss it. <laughs> they don't get the one interesting part of that story. That's yeah. the one point where The Last of Us actually breaks cliches. Like compared to something like uh Children of Men, where uh Theo essentially dies uh trying to get uh I was it, trying to get key and uh, the child across the border. Right. Mm -hmm. Um and like uh there he dies heroic. He dies, but he still did manage to do something good. The Last of Us does both finally after 12 fucking hours of every cliche in the book, finally does something interesting and breaks that trope. And people don't fucking get it because wow. the rest of the game pandered to uh, how basic a story it is. Yeah. Yeah. People just love Joel so much for some reason that they, they will bend over backwards to justify him being terrible. I think I think oh. just the relationship that's been, been or being built over those, however, 12, 14 hours of that game is between him and Ellie... But from what I've seen so far, like in the show and what you see in the first two hours of the game, which again, all I've played, have not played more. I'm aware I'm going to probably get some fucking hate for this, um, <laughs> but I'm watching just the show and maybe we'll play the video game eventually. But Joel hates this fucking child. <laughs> and, and Joel, start, is, yeah. Joel is a dickhole. Just, yeah. And the thing is, they have they have like sanitized Joel quite a bit really? like in the show so far. Yeah. They've like they, they leave in some of the things where like in the first episode when they're driving by, uh, those people whose car died or whatever, and they're like, no, just keep driving. We have a kid with us. Yeah. Uh, and but like they have left out several uh, moments where Joel either gets called out for a shit or just is being horrible. Well, he beats like, that when, guy to death outside of the. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there, there's a moment like right before Tess dies in the game. Uh, she's literally tells like it's like Joel, we're shitty people. Like, and they they kind of took that out of the game. And one of the most telling lines, I think, and one of the more subtle uh, lines in in the game is it, it showcases how how selfish Joel is. 
Um, when Sarah is dying in his arms, uh, and he's weeping and she's dying and whatever, uh, he's the, his, the last words that he says to her are, don't do this to me. Right. Um, which, like, tells you everything you need to know about Joel. Like, he doesn't really care about the pain other people are in. He's only he's caring about the pain that he's in. Uh and like they, they cut that out of the show. Oh, Lucas, but, like, that's what a dad would say. <laughs> not a not really shitty dad. Yeah, not not a not, not a. I feel like I feel like most like decent dads would be like, don't don't worry, it's gonna be okay. I love you. Just <laughs> something yeah. along those lines, as opposed I, to I, I don't do this to me. I know it's just a stupid argument people make about oh, uh, man. Was it about Joel. Yeah, but, like he, he had a dog. He had a dog. <laughs> <laughs> well tough yeah, you I'm just, sorry you doomed humanity no, sorry. this is I'm actually uh, currently working on a video that's talking about this because I feel like The Last of Us could be used as a perfect showcase for how nonsense fandom starts mm-hmm. mm. and the discourse around like, it is mind numbing um, like Arguably, they're not as obnoxious. Uh, what is they're not as obnoxiously toxic and awful as Star Wars or Rick and Morty fans. They're just so dumb. <laughs> yeah, the Last of Us fans. You're calling them the dumb ones. Oh God, it's just it's just so dumb. You're 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 you're, you're comparing no, this. You're comparing it's just this. dumb. <laughs> it's just dumb. You're but you're Liam. You're comparing this to a a fandom that literally bullied a fast food organization into bringing back a sauce. Yeah. That's toxicity on top of being dumb. Oh, okay. These guys are just oh man, like, it's just it's just so dumb. Yeah, yeah. And then and then the the way that they just with the uh, to, to pivot a little bit with Last of Us Two, the way they reacted to Last of Us Two shows that none of them have any critical thinking <laughs> like skills whatsoever. You know, I've heard like, we've again, talked it's about not it subtle. We've talked about it on the show how a lot of people who are big fans of the first game weren't as big of fans of the second game, and mm-hmm. is that just because it's not Joel's story because it's mostly Ellie's? I think it's partly there's also a trans character that they get very mad about ah. but also there there are some very bold choices they make in that game that I love that are supposed to piss you off right like, like especially if you're a fan of the first one I don't want to spoil too much about it I mean because uh, I think else? we're past our five minutes but there are certainly things to critique about the second game like you sure. can definitely argue some structure stuff or whatnot like absolutely yeah like where I'm like, sure, I'll meet you there, but here's the thing: I don't mind if you're sacrificing tradi- traditional structure and making a little muddy when you actually have an interesting story to tell. Yeah, and some interesting characters doing like, like again, like Last of Us Two is built on tropes, is built on cliches. It, it's about the cycle of, it's about violence and revenge and the cycle of violence. But like they do it in such an interesting way, in a way that can only really be done in a video game. Mm-hmm. That it's it's so interesting and so fascinating, and I We're love also, it so much. Also, The Last of Us made me understand why El- The Last of Us Two made me understand why Ellie is so liked as a character. Because mm-hmm. in my first game, outside of her their whole relationship thing, I'm like, why am I supposed to care about Ellie outside of a fact that she's a kid? Yeah, who's in a really shitty situation? Yeah, oh, but she's got attitude, about. Liam. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm sorry, but I also refuse to believe that somebody who grew up in 20 years of an apocalypse would not learn figure out how to swim in some regard to survive. <laughs> I feel like in a, I don't care if you didn't grow up by the ocean. You that's something you would figure out because you're in a whole society where you just need to survive. I have a I have a question or two. So, mm-hmm. the game, the time difference between when Sarah dies to when Joel. Like b- from when the breakout happens to when we pick up with Joel and he meets Ellie, how is that twenty years in the game? 
Uh, I think somewhere around there. I okay. can't remember exactly. Because, because I don't know if it is. And and the reason why I ask is because in the show, the timeline doesn't make a lot of sense in my head. Because you're telling me Pedro Pascal is 60? You're, you're fucking telling me? Because he says <laughs> he's like 30. He, he's like, In the show, he says he's like 35. And it's 2003 in the show. Right? And then mm-hmm. they skip 20 years, and it's 2023. And so, and so Joel is 50-something years old. He's like mm-hmm. 58, I believe. I believe Joel in the game is somewhere around that age too. What? Again, he he doesn't he doesn't really look it. And then <laughs> especially and then not for someone living in an apocalypse. And then the second <laughs> game picks up what like like five ten years. years five years later. So Joel's in his sixties, and that guy, that mm-hmm. that guy's sixty five. Fuck off. Yeah, there's, there's, there's I mean, a I'll, I'll say one in... thing about Joel being sixty five. I mean, uh, he doesn't like golfing anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> His bones can't handle it. That's a terrible joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible um, joke. Uh, oh, man. I do have uh, one thing. Never before, played the game. I, have, I only know that spoiler. <laughs> I have a feeling we're starting to, uh, we're probably going to wrap up in the next little bit, but there is, there is one last thing I do want to end on, mm-hmm. which is like, because this is something that I feel like needs to be put to rest. There's been a lot of talk lately. Uh, what is it? Whenever I criticize things about The Last of Us, even from our soon-to-be co-host saying like, just enjoy the media. Don't let the fans ruin it for you. What, a, like, what a lovely way to, to paint <laughs> our second, which, our fourth yeah, Which I say, I'm sorry, but those things aren't mutually exclusive from each other. Mm-hmm. You do know the way things are made now. Fandom has way too strong an influence on the way things are getting made and coming out. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like to not criticize, uh, was it to not criticize, one, if you don't criticize, if you only criticize one or the other, you're letting either off the hook too easy. Sure. So that's something I really want to make sure people understand is that I don't have a problem if you enjoyed something. That's fine and good. What I mind is when you're holding one piece of media to a fucking godhood status and you refuse to engage in any discussion or discourse around it. Yeah. Yeah. As well as the fact that, um, like, because this is how toxic fandoms start to full hold. This is how they start to form. This is how they start to delve into, like, harassing people for not fitting your exact expectations. So to all the people, all these fans of The Last of Us, before you start to go down this round, I want you to say, I just want to say, start thinking critically. That's right. And on the note of fandoms that aren't toxic, uh, (laughs) thank you to all of our patrons, everybody. Um, We're going to wrap up the show now. So, so, yes, I mean, uh, if you liked what you saw in this episode of The Thundercast, be sure to go and follow us on all our social media on facebook instagram and youtube we are thunder lizard collective on twitter we are thunder lizard og uh if you like what you're listening to seeing doing all that sort of stuff you can go and find us on your favorite podcatcher on those make sure to give us five stars or the equivalent on whatever one you happen to be listening to uh and tell a friend share us on social media do all that fun stuff um i'd like to thank our patrons you can go to patreon.com slash thunder lizard to become one yourself it would be greatly appreciated i'd like to thank them and that is kate tanya manos owen and scott so once again thank you so much for listening to this episode of the thundercast my name is christian my name is lucas and i'm liam see ya I'm Liam. See ya. <laughs> hey, Christian. Shut up.